Good morning. Thank you for joining me. If you would, turn over to um, the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking in chapter 26 primarily today. So Matthew 26. Now, um, before we get into this, let's uh, let's get some context here. Um, you know, last week, if you were with us, we talked about Judas betraying Jesus. We talked about the Last Supper. And now we've moved past this, um, chronologically speaking. And Jesus has now gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to, um, to pray. This is what we're going to be talking about. This, so this is right before his crucifixion. So we're in Matthew 26. Matthew 26. We're going to be reading verses 36, 36 through 56. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Um, just as a little side note here, I, th- I thought it was very interesting. Um, it's an interesting note that Jesus chose the same three disciples that saw uh, Moses and Elijah on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. Um, I, just, I thought that was an interesting note that he had, uh, for some reason, set these three apart. But moving on to verse 38, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak again a second time he went away and prayed saying oh my father if this cup cannot pass away from me unless i drink it your will be done and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy so he left them went away again and prayed the third time saying uh, saying the same words and then he came to his disciples and said to them are you still sleeping and resting Behold, the the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and, and the elders of the people. And now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? 
In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber, a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now there is a lot in this one passage of scripture, um, but today I want to primarily focus on Jesus' instructions to his disciples. Um, but before we do, let's let's look at what's going on here. You know, we're painted a beautiful picture um, from Matthew of Jesus Christ crying out to the Father. You know, he's pouring out his heart to God. Um, it actually says that his stress was so great that that he that he was sweating blood. Yeah, I, I mean that's um, that's pretty distressed. <laughs> you know, um, but he's pleading with God that if there is any other way to save us other than going through any other way of saving us, me, Josh, other than going through this excruciating and humiliating and horrible ordeal, then let it be so. But if not, let your will be done. And then we are shown how the disciples are going to grasp and comprehend and appreciate what is transpiring in front of them. And what do we see? We see that they decide that now this is a good time to sleep. Now, obviously, I'm being um, a little harsh. You know, I'm sure there were other circumstances that were taking place, but regardless, Jesus commanded them to be, to be praying, and they, they fall asleep. Now, have you ever had a loved one go through a trial that was so difficult and intense that it kept you up at night? Well, now try to imagine how you would feel if you heard and saw the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, pouring out his spirit, pouring out his heart full of sorrow, how would that affect you? You know, we see the indifference of the disciples here because they witness this and then they decide to go to sleep. Now, again, I'm being harsh. Uh, I'm being overly critical of the disciples. Obviously, I don't know all the circumstances. Um, but my point is, is they don't really seem to know or understand what is about to happen but we do. That's why I'm being harsh and critical. It's, it's not because I'm just being harsh and critical. It's because we know what's about to happen. But I would dare say if we were in the same situation and we were tired that our flesh would would take hold. Um, you know, and I would probably succumb to the same things. Um, and, and we're told, you know, that at this time the disciples hadn't be, it hadn't been revealed to them exactly what was going to happen. Um, but... I don't think it would be too far of a stretch to say, um, you know, that that they might have thought that he was speaking in parable. You know, but the thing is, is, is that Jesus has laid this plan out to them in elaborate detail. Because just like when he had told them before that he must die, you know, maybe they maybe they thought he was still speaking in parable. But what is interesting here is that just a few short verses ago, we see Peter declaring that not only would he never betray Jesus, but that he would never even leave him. You know, he would never leave his side. 
Jesus Christ personifies righteous humility, and that humility brings him to his knees in worship and prayer. But inversely, the disciples are haughty, they're arrogant, they're overconfident, they're unknowing, you know, so they're ignorant in a sense. Um, And this attitude, instead of bringing them to a place of worship, it brings them to complacency, which leads to their, their sleep. Now, even after all this, Jesus Christ is still concerned for his disciples so much um, that he actually tells them to be alert and to pray. But why does he tell them to do that? So that they would not fall into temptation. Jesus Christ is going through so much in the flesh here. He's going through so much turmoil and despair internally. And yet he is still turning his attention to his disciples, to his sheep. And he knew then that our adversary is always on the prowl looking for opportunities to accomplish his motive. Um, I've got, I think that's supposed to be First uh, Peter, I'm sorry, but it says First uh, Peter 5.8, I believe is what it's supposed to be. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, over in verse 41 of Matthew, of the passage we read, Jesus is telling his disciples, and in other translations, he actually says, keep watch, stay awake, and stay alert. Because whether it be our own fleshly desires or the temptations from our adversary, we are constantly in the crosshairs. Now, what happens when we let our guard down even for an instant? Well, allow me for just a moment um, to share an anecdote with you to to to, sh- to give you an example of, of what can happen the lydian kingdom came to an abrupt end when the persian king cyrus captured uh, sardis the city of sardis in 547 bc now cyrus had marched against sardis cyrus had marched against sardis and sought means to capture their near impregnable city that was set upon a steep hill with a cliff on its backside, and you can actually look this up. It's still there, uh, at least remnants of it. Now, this city was fortified with an enormous wall that encircled the city, and they had a legion of soldiers who were positioned on top of this wall. Now, obviously frustrated, uh, Cyrus now, because he can't penetrate this, their defenses, he offers a reward to any of his soldiers who could find a way to scale the wall and capture the city. So one day, one of his soldiers observed a Lydian soldier who was standing guard accidentally dropped his helmet. He dropped his helmet over the wall. Well, unaware that he was being watched, you know, he looks around and he begins, he sees the Lydian soldier climb over the wall and he made his way down a hidden path. So he used that hidden path that was made of these real small indentions in the wall and there were it was hidden from the untrained eye but he did this to retrieve his helmet and then they see him go all the way back up so under the cover of night this persian soldier that saw him led a group of his comrades up the same path that the lydian soldier had taken and since the lydians thought that this part of the wall was inaccessible it was left completely unguarded and the persians climbed to the top of the wall unnoticed And when they reached the top, they found the Lydians asleep. They annihilated 
an entire legion of men, and they conquered the city of Sardis. Now, our adversary and our flesh will allow us to get comfortable so that we will become complacent. You know, ultimately, this is the exact opportunity that will defeat us as well if we remain unaware. So Jesus Christ is instructing us, just like his disciples in this passage, to always be on our guard because when we are comfortable and complacent, then we are easily deceived. You know, this week, I'm reading this book on leadership uh, written by a a former Navy SEAL. And he was talking about a firefight that occurred several years ago in Ramadi where an insurgent sniper was picking off American soldiers and their allies. And he said, as cool and cinematic as it would be for us to take one of our snipers and pit him against their sniper and have this, you know, ridiculous sniper battle, why would they take that kind of a risk when they could aim their tank at the sniper's position and decimate the entire building? Well, this, that attitude, that approach is precisely how our temptations attack us. It's not usually in a fair match, but these temptations are set up to completely obliterate us. The sad part is, is that if our hearts have not been changed, if we have not been transformed by the renewing of our minds through Jesus Christ, and we have not submitted ourselves to his authority, then we will succumb to those temptations every single time because we are, we are slaves to our master. And scriptures tell us that we are either slaves to Jesus Christ or we are slaves to sin. And if you are a slave to sin, then you have eternally separated yourself from God through your sin. And no amount of effort that you put forth can begin to close that gap. But because God is perfect, he is also perfectly merciful. You know, God knew that we would separate ourselves from from him, which is why before the beginning of all creation, Jesus Christ was there with the Father and the Holy Spirit waiting to demonstrate God's mercy and love for us on the cross. Now, God, in his infinite wisdom, love, and mercy, made a way for us to be reconciled back to him through the sacrifice of his son. You know, we hear that word redeem all the time. But the definition of redeem is to to regain, to regain possession of something through payment. So when we say we're redeemed, that's exactly what has been has transpired. God has reclaimed us as his possession through the payment of the of the blood of his son. And it is only by and through him that we have any hope. But it is also because we know in whom we trust that our hope is eternally secured by the one who has authority over all things, even death. This understanding brings us to repentance. It brings us to true belief, and it brings us to a place of worship. Proverbs 6, verses uh, 3 through 5 say, Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. 
See, once we have been reborn in the spirit, God has given us everything that we need for our defense in his word. But we are lazy and often need to be spoon fed. So I came up with an easy way for me to remember how we ought to defend ourselves, how we are taught to defend ourselves. Because these temptations, these fleshly temptations will come. The first is we should pray. We should, we should pray. Um, in verse 41, Jesus actually tells his disciples to pray. You know, Ephesians six eighteen, um, we are actually told to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Over in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, it says, pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean I'm on my knees all day, every day, and neglecting my other responsibilities? Well, no, but it means to always be in communion with God. Not necessarily conversation, but be in communion with Him. Constantly be dwelling on Him and His righteousness and His love and His, his um, credence and His 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 patience, everything. Every time we step outside, we should be thanking and praising and worshiping the Father for who He is. You know, Jesus also not only told us to pray, but He actually has told us how to pray. Right? You can go through um, how Jesus teaches us to pray. He teaches us to pray first with repentant hearts, to petition God with our needs and desires, but with the right motives. But ultimately, that we are to pray for his perfect will to be done, just like he was doing in the garden. And then we are putting Jesus Christ's royal seal of approval on that prayer when we pray in Jesus' name. So in the same sentence that Jesus tells his disciples to be alert, he tells them to pray as a clear indication that prayer is our first line of defense against temptation the second thing that we must do to defend ourselves against these temptations is we must prepare so first we must pray and second we must prepare we must prepare ourselves for the spiritual war that we are currently in and just like physical warfare we must be properly trained and properly equipped in order to survive 1 Timothy 4.8, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that life which is to come. You see, the mind and the body and the spirit all share the same principles when it comes to being healthy. They must all be properly fed. They must all be properly exercised, and they must all receive proper rest. You know, with our bodies, it's, it's an easy analogy there that, that if we want to be fit, if we want to be healthy, we must, we must eat the right things, right? Then our bodies need exercise. It needs to be exercised. But then we also need proper rest. And that's one thing people tend to neglect. Well, the same thing is true for our minds. And for those of us who are in school or have been through school or really in any capacity, I mean, take studying scripture. There comes a point for me when I'm in studies that I can get overloaded with too much, and then I won't remember anything. 
So it needs a proper diet. It needs to be, your mind needs to be feeding on the right thing. It needs proper exercise. You need to be exercising your brain and it needs proper rest. You need to be able to decompress so you can retain what you've learned. And the same is true for our spirit. It needs to be fed properly. Now make no mistake. You are feeding your spirit daily, but you must analyze what you are feeding it. Are you feeding on things of righteousness, of goodness, of love and mercy and grace, of the fruit of the Spirit? Or are you feeding your spirit things that are unholy and unrighteous and selfish? You know, what things are you dwelling on constantly? You know, one of my favorite sayings is, what you dwell on is what you will dwell in. So it must be properly fed. Then it must be properly exercised. Our spirit, we should give our spirit exercise, whether it be through um proclamation of the gospel or or witnessing or or even going out you know to to serve the great commission whether it be serving someone or praying for your brother that you know is in need or whatever the case may be but then it also needs proper rest we cannot be properly prepared without continuous training we must do as second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says which is to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God. Some say study to show yourselves approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It tells us here how we are to be exercising this. We're to show ourselves approved. We're to study to show ourselves approved, right? So that's how we get properly trained is through the word. Now, how do we get properly equipped in preparation Ephesians 6 10 through 17 I'm just going to read through this I could spend you know all week on this passage here but but just so that we know what we are uh, what we ought to equip ourselves with it says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We must prioritize our study of the word. So, you know, first we must pre- we must pray. Second, we must prepare. So to prepare, we need proper training through the word. And then we need proper equipment, just like soldiers. And we just read about what that equipment is. What must we equip ourselves with? Ultimately, it comes down to a simple truth, which is the word. And we must prioritize that study of the word. And you cannot tell me in truth that studying the word and that the word itself is a priority for you if you never spend any time with it. So the third way that we can prepare ourselves for these temptations is that we must position 
ourselves in line with Christ. So first, we must pray. Second, we must prepare. And third, we must position ourselves in line with Christ. So our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, everything about us as born-again Christians should position itself in line or under the authority and the example of Christ. That is how everything should be. It should be in direct line with that of Christ's teachings. When we say that we are Christians, to be a little Christ, to be a representative of him, that is what we are trying to do. As born-again believers, we are trying to feed on the word so much and exercise our faith in such a way that our thinking, our speech, our attitudes, everything ends up lining up with the teachings of Jesus Christ until we are perfected in his image. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen until we die, but we are to strive for that perfection while we are here on earth. We are to gradually be sanctified through his word. And when we do this, when we trust him with every part of our being, we become unmoving and we will stand in the light of his righteousness forevermore. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and why? So that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We must pay attention. We must stay alert. We must keep watch. Because our adversary is on the prowl. Now, is our adversary wicked forces of, of, of evil, of spiritual um you know wicked spirits absolutely but it's also our own flesh and if we do not keep watch and stay alert and stand fast then we will succumb to those temptations maybe not immediately but eventually but we have everything that we need in the word everything that we need for life and godliness is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So this week, keep watch, stand firm, and hold fast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises in your word. We thank you for all the things that you've given us 
that you've given us everything that we need in this life in and in your word. Father, we don't deserve this, but you love us so much that you've given you've given us this knowledge and this wisdom that we can use not just to glorify your name, Father, but to flee from from wickedness. Father, I fall short every single day. Rebuke me for those things. Lead me in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Father. Change me, mold me as the potter does with the clay and transform me more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we ask and pray these things. Amen.